0: Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's office. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him but he denied it saying woman i do not know him and a little later someone else saw him and said you also are the one of him or, or, excuse me you also you also are the one of them but peter said man i am not and after an interval of about an hour still another insisted saying certainly this man also was with him for he too is a galilean but peter said Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly.
1: In this time leading up to Easter, we're looking at characters at the cross. We, I talked with you last week about Judas the hypocrite. Perhaps some of you were shocked that I used that terminology instead of saying Judas, Judas the one who betrayed Jesus. Some, we would probably have a hard time, Zach, identifying with that. But every one of us can identify with a hypocrite we have seen them we may have been them and I, judas was a hypocrite and get this right judas was a hypocrite not because he made a simple mistake not because of a lapse of faith he never had faith he was never saved he pretended to be someone he was not because he pretended to be a follower of Jesus Christ and he was never saved Peter may be the easier one for us to identify with because Peter was a believer and Peter when we think of Peter we think of is if you've ever been in a Catholic Church or if you've had re religious education you've probably been told that Peter was the first Pope that's not true but we think of him at that level but Peter serves as a great warning for every one of us that no matter how closely we follow Jesus we are subject to we are prone to wandering that old song Lord I'm prone to wander we are prone to backsliding and so I want to look this morning at peter the backslider and i believe in practical preaching and i've chosen the terminology so that you can more closely identify with the scripture and we can look at the warning of scripture and see the purpose of god in our lives and that his purpose is always to bring us back no matter how high we've been there's a danger of backsliding And no matter how backsliding we've come, Jesus is ready to restore us. Now, I I said, no matter how high we've been. And I want you to think about Peter's walk with Jesus. Some of you got your pens ready, and I got a lot of blanks to fill in. And if you don't get them, let me know later. And I'll tell you what you were supposed to have written. And I've been warned to go slowly enough that you can fill in the blanks. But here we go. Think about just how closely Peter walked with Jesus. First of all, he was called specifically by Jesus. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They were specifically called to be followers of Jesus, They were specifically called, in fact, to be apostles of Jesus. They were called by Jesus. And so are you. There's not a safe person in here who was saved without a calling from God. The Spirit of God moves upon the heart of men and women and even young children who are able to understand and calls them to repentance and to faith in Jesus Christ. No one can be saved, Jesus said, unless my father draws them. There is a calling from God for salvation. The calling of God is not just to preach or be a missionary. It, it is, there is a call, a beginning level call from God of salvation. And notice that what God wants to do when he calls you he wants to change your life. You've been fishing for fish, and God wants you to fish for men. That's what He said to Simon Peter. Listen, God has a purpose for you. He didn't just save you for you to be happy and satisfied. He called you to grow, and He called you to serve. We're working on Sunday nights on our purpose and our strategy. Love, grow serve. That's why God called you. He called you just like he called Peter. He may not have called you to be an apostle, but he has a purpose for your life and you need to fulfill that purpose. Not only was he called by Jesus, but he was renamed by Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which, being interpreted, means Peter. Jesus changed his name. Take that means, he changed his identity. And you know that's what he wants to do with you when he calls you. We, we've had some people saved over the last few weeks. Praise God, and I pray for more. But I want you to understand, when you get saved, your identity is changed. You're no longer a son of Satan, lost and separated from God. You're a child of the King. He has changed you. He has given you a new name and a new identity. He changed Peter's name and he has changed your identity. Not only was he renamed, but he got to be on the mountaintop with Jesus and to see the glory of god jesus took with him peter james and john grant those those three inner circle apostles right they got their things they there are things they got to do that none of the other apostles no other disciples got to do peter james and john seemed to be very special to the lord they were special enough that when he went up the mountain to be transfigured For His glory to be seen, only Peter, James, and John got to go. He led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and He was transfigured before them. And His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could ever bleach them. They got to see the glory of God. Don't you think somebody who's been through all this, I mean, talk about walking with Jesus... Seeing His glory, you'd think they would never backslide. And I warn you, you've walked with Jesus for a long time. You've seen what He can do. Haven't we seen great things in Faith Baptist Church? Amen. Amen. But don't think that insulates you from the temptation of Satan. And don't think that you're too good and that you've come too far to backslide. Even even after he had seen the glory of Jesus, the radiant glory of Jesus, he still denied that he he ever knew him. On the mountaintop with Jesus, having seen his glory, he saw Jesus raise the dead. In Mark chapter 5, there is the story of a young girl, 12 years old, that had died. And the family was mourning her. He went to see her, um, the daughter of Jairus. And when he went there, he again, Grant, he only allowed Peter, James, and John into the room with him along with the parents. And they were mourning him. And he said, why are you mourning for her? She's just sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. When have you ever faced derision? When have you ever faced shame? Somebody made fun of you for your faith in Jesus Christ. That's when the test comes. How will you stand when they begin to laugh at you? But Jesus, taking her by the hand, said to her, Tiletha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you. Arise and immediately the girl got up and began walking. She wasn't a little baby, she was 12 years old, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Charlotte, Peter had seen the miracles. There is no greater miracle in all the Bible than the raising of the dead. The first person raised from the dead was all the way to the time of Elijah. There's nobody raised from the dead recorded in Scripture until then. And in fact, there's only three people in all the Old Testament recorded as having been raised from the dead. There are also three people during the ministry of Jesus and only three that are recorded of having been raised from the dead. There's no greater miracle, even greater than healing from leprosy, is being raised from the dead. And in it, he saw, Peter saw, A dead person raised to life. Not once, but three times. Three times. Talk about the zenith. Talk about, gets even better. Peter walked on water with Jesus. Walter, you never did ask me your question about that. I guess you will later, but you said you had one. Peter walked on water. Peter answered him, Lord, Jesus has come walking on the sea, Jerry. Meeting them in the darkest of night, with the wind and the waves howling, Jesus comes walking on the water. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Now, I've heard preachers preach about how audacious, how foolish Peter was for asking if he could walk on the water. Jesus said, do it. He did not go against Christ when he walked on the water. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. You say, yeah, but he sank. Yes, but Jesus raised him up. He walked on the water to Jesus. And then after being raised back up when he started sinking, he walked on the water with Jesus. Man, talk about walking with Jesus Walking with Jesus on the water. That means, to me, you can be as close to Jesus as Peter was. You can walk with Him through amazing experiences. But you're still vulnerable. Get this. We are prone to backsliding. And we better be careful about thinking that we will never backslide. Be careful when you think you cannot fall. And understand, backsliding is just a slip away. I I wrote that down and it sounded like some old song that I remember being sung when I was a teenager, but it's still true. Backsliding is just a slip away. Be careful. Be careful. I want you to... Think also about Peter's lapse of faith. We talked about how Peter walked with Jesus, but we need to think about his lack or his lapse of faith. And I need you to think about the fact that backsliding is, for the most part, a process. It's seldom a one-slip fall. It's not like you went out on your sidewalk after the weather the other day and you slipped and fail just one little slip just one little loss of footing and you hit the ground hard backsliding generally is not that way for most of us backsliding is a process with a just one step at a time and i want you to pay attention to the process in peter's backsliding first of all he ignored a specific warning from jesus jesus said simon simon behold satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but i have prayed for you that your faith may not fail he had a specific warning peter temptation's coming man you're going to be sifted you're going to be tested and it's going to be tough and i can just see peter saying I can handle that no problem I've walked with you I've been on the mountaintop I've seen you raise the dead I've walked on water with you Lord there's no problem for me he ignored a specific warning from God listen to me it is dangerous to listen to sermons in church and think they apply to somebody else but not to you I've said to you many times I believe in practical preaching And I am not one of those preachers who says, now don't take this personal. Don't take this personal. I want you to take it personal. I want the Spirit of God. I have prayed that the Spirit of God would move in this service this morning and convict hearts and change hearts. Take it personal. Quit sitting there thinking about, boy, I wish old so-and-so was here because he really needed to hear this. So do you. So do you. And it's dangerous not to take the preaching of the Word of God personally. Notice, he boasted that he would never backslide. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Pride goes before a fall. I was thinking about that when Jacob, when I was working on this sermon, I was thinking, but where is that in the Scripture? Pride goes before a fall. And just Billy, in my reading this week, two different places, I found it. It's not said exactly like that word for word. It says that pride precedes a disgrace. It's said in another way, in another place. That's biblical. Pride goes before a fall. When pride comes in, the fall, the failure, is close on its heels. Be careful about pride. Pride prevents repentance. And pride prevents revival. Alice, I've been praying for revival in our church. I've been praying, Roger, for approval. For a revival in our nation. But you know, we will never see revival, John, in our church or in our nation as long as we're proud enough to say we don't need it. We're okay the way we are. I don't have anything to repent of. Dumbest question I've been asked in the last few years is well, what do we have to repent of? Do you need a list? Pride prevents repentance and pride prevents revival he was proud he boasted I'll never fall oh man get get the cushions out get out the bandages as soon as we say we'll never fail we'll never backslide a failure is coming then notice he slept instead of praying that that thing in the garden and, and I, I enjoy this, the skit guys and how they present things. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Now, he had already told them, Jerry, to stay awake and to pray. He came and said to, said to Peter, did you notice that? He singled out Peter. Jesus knows what's coming. He's already said what's coming. And he says to Peter, the one who said, I'll never fail, so could you not watch with me just one hour just an hour watch and pray and get this that you may not enter into temptation don't miss that prayer prevents temptation prayer strengthens us to be able to endure temptation and trial pray that you may not enter into temptation The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When we are prayerless, when we don't pray, we value our sleep more than our prayer time. We value our work more than our prayer. And when we are prayerless, we are vulnerable to the temptation, to the tricks of Satan. Listen to me. You do not want to pay the penalty of prayerlessness. That's a hard word to say. Prayerlessness. You do not want to pay the penalty. Fall on your knees day after day praying to God. Pray that you might not enter into temptation. Then notice that he became angry. And violent. I, yeah, I laughed when the guy, when the skit guy said, I didn't, I was for his ear. I'm, I'm, after all, a fisherman and not a swordsman. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. That servant's name was Malchus. Listen, if you think about, didn't I say that this is all a process? Did you notice that, Mike? It's a process? And as Peter's going along, he's getting worse and worse. Laney, you see that? It's, it's worse at this point than it was at the beginning. First, he was just stubbornly and ignorant and, and ignoring what Jesus is trying to say. And then he gets proud. And, and then, all of a sudden, the anger comes out. All of these are signs of backsliding. When I see angry church members, I wonder what's going on between them and the Lord. What's happened to them? Where is their faith? Where is their walking in the Spirit? Be careful when you're angry all the time. Something is wrong with you emotionally. and That means something is wrong with you spiritually. And it's time to come back to God. Repent. Be renewed. Be restored. He became angry. And he became violent. He was governed by fear. Rather than by faith. They all left him. And fled. Fear. Not faith. Who did he believe God was? Who did he believe Jesus was? At that moment in his life. That he ran away. Kim, same guy who said, I'll never run. I'll never leave you. Man, I believe in who you say you are. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you'll do what you say you will do. I believe in you. I'll never run. But all of a sudden, he's totally destroyed, Donna, by fear. Hiding out. Running away. His testimony is gone. His faith has fled. He's running away away by the way I thought about that and and you'll forgive my wild imagination I can just see some of the soldiers looking at those apostles those disciples running away and Carl they say there goes his army but I want you to understand that's not his army I'm I'm a fan of the comic strips and one of them Rose's Rose and they have Pasquale little kid Pasquale and Pasquale has a guardian angel that's with him in that comic strip all the time most of the time Mary Pasquale's angel is this cute little kid with wings and he's floating you know about four feet off the ground just over Pasquale's head but then when Sandy when when danger comes all of a sudden that cute little kid expands and grows into a mighty warrior And I want you to know in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested, those who fled were not His army. He was surrounded by a multitude of warrior angels desiring, wishing to rescue Him. And He refused. He refused. Governed by fear. And not by faith. By the way, those same angels surround us. You have the presence of the Spirit of God, and you have the ability to trust in God. I'm not trusting in angels, but I know they're there. My faith and my trust is in God. He was governed by fear. He fought he followed afar off. That's King James, and I just that just strikes my fancy Paul when I when I read it that way i think that that describes the typical baptist church member that we're not following close we're following afar off and it's time it's time to step up it's time to come back it's time to renew our commitment our confession, and to renew our faith in God and stand with Jesus. Follow Him closely, walk hand in hand, do not follow afar off. Some of you need to come back. And I'm not just talking about those who are watching on the live stream I'm talking about some of you who've drifted back away from God you used to walk with him. It's time to come back. He's calling you. He wants to restore you. Peter denied his faith. He denied it three times. I don't know him. Notice backsliding can lead to deep misery in your soul. It says in verse 62, I heard Tony read it, Peter went out and wept bitterly. By the way, can I point out, I'm going to run out of time, I'm not going to be able to say everything I want to say today, I can see that by the clock. But look at the difference in Judas, the end of his story, and look at Peter. Judas hung himself. But Charles there's no indication of true repentance Peter wept bitterly repentant but that's not the end of the story I can't quit there I'm sorry but I can't cut my sermon off I can't finish this without going to the third part Peter's restoration this is important don't miss this first of all it began with a foot race to the empty tomb Simon Peter came following John and went into the tomb. He saw the empty tomb. The, he saw the linen cloths lying there. He saw the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. He saw the evidence of the resurrected Christ. I said to the Barnabas class this morning, you cannot be saved unless you believe in the resurrection from the dead of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is a part of our faith, and his restoration to his faith began with an empty tomb. It also included a personal invitation from Jesus. The angel said, He is risen, He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell His disciples. This is all, JV, this has always amazed me and peter did you notice that a specific invitation tell the disciples and peter that he is going before you into galilee there you will see him as he said to you he had a personal invitation listen so do you god brought you to this service at this moment on this day to call you back To call you back from backsliding. To call you to restoration. For those of you on the live stream, understand. I'm not just preaching to the people who are back in the auditorium. I'm preaching to you too. Where are you in your walk with God? Hear the voice of Jesus and obey. He wants to call you back into close walk and relationship with Him. You have a personal invitation from Jesus Peter had a personal touch from Jesus when he said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the Holy Spirit I believe that Jesus is in the room right now he is moving here through this service by the person of his Holy Spirit and I'm asking you to allow that Spirit of God to touch your heart to draw you back to him to draw you close to him surrender give in to the movement of the spirit of God quit fighting it feel the spirit move and do what he says then a reconfirmation of his call this is in the extra chapter of the Gospel of John the Gospel of John sort of finishes in chapter 30. These things have been written that you may believe. But then there's an extra chapter where he tells about them meeting with the resurrected Savior on the Sea of Galilee. He said to them the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Sheila, three times. Isn't that amazing? He said to him, the third time, do you love me? How many times did Jesus, Tracy, how many times did did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Isn't it amazing that he asked him three times? Same number as, as, as the times that he denied him. Three times, do you love me? do you really love me do you love me and every time he said feed my sheep feed my lambs shepherd my sheep he renewed his calling listen to me you may think that you've totally blown it that your ministry that your service is over it is not Our God is a God of second chances. And third and fourth and fifth and sixth and tenth and fiftieth. God wants to renew you. To restore you to close fellowship with Him. And to restore you to the ministry, to the service to which He has called you. Hear His voice. Don't turn him down. Hear his voice. Peter's really restoration really began with a look from Jesus. I've tried to picture what he might have felt at that moment. Only in the Gospel of Luke does it say that Jesus turned and looked at him. And Wendy, it broke his heart. It broke his heart. This repentance and restoration begins with a broken heart, a broken heart, a broken spirit, the Lord will not deny sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise in this moment as the spirit of God moves in this congregation. Do you feel him? Do you hear his voice? Will you do what he's telling you to do? Remember that I said that pride prevents repentance. And pride prevents revival. Pride prevents restoration. Hear the voice of God. I want us to stand together. In the crowd right now, I know that there are those who've never been saved, Jesus is speaking to your heart and He's calling you to repentance and to salvation. And I'm asking you, will you come? Will you profess Him before this congregation, before the world? Some of you may have been saved and you've never made a public profession. Now is the time to confess. If you've never been saved, come let me show you or... Have Miss Brenda or someone else show you how to be saved. Will you come? Will you come now? Some of you have been saved and you need to be baptized. And I'm asking you, are you ready? Will you hear what the Spirit is saying? Will you come? Will you come now? It may be that you, like Peter, have drifted far from God. And he is calling you back, and you you would come, and you would kneel here at the altar with me and pray for restoration and renewal. Will you come? Come now. Maybe you need to be a member of this church. God's speaking that to your heart. I'm asking you, will you come? Father, I thank you for the movement of your spirit. I pray for those who should have moved and did not. Lord, I pray that you would instruct them that the invitation's not over, but that they can come at the end of the service, talk with me after the service in the lobby. I pray that they will. Lord, move in our church. I pray for revival in Faith Baptist Church. I pray. movement of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.